Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I Want to Get Better, 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 Better edition as we take an in-depth look back at the Bengals' sixth straight loss to begin the season, 23-17, the final score in Baltimore. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments from players and coaches, and Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, we'll meet the person under the pads as I'll talk to rookie Stanley Morgan Jr., who is obviously the son of Stanley Morgan, but not the former Pro Bowl wide receiver. We'll get to know the Bengals' Stanley Morgan in just a bit. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since the search tool on profootballreference.com. When Lamar Jackson rushed for 111 yards in the first half against the Bengals on Sunday, it occurred to me we should probably know the NFL record for rushing yards by a quarterback just in case. So, at halftime, I went to ProFootballReference.com, clicked the Play Index, and then went to the Player Game Finder. I entered any year, quarterbacks only, regular season or playoffs, rushing yards equal to or greater than 150, and hit search. In a split second, I had my answer. Colin Kaepernick rushed for 181 yards in a playoff game, and Michael Vick rushed for 173 in a regular season game. Lamar Jackson ran for 152 against the Bengals on Sunday, so he did not set a new record, but I was ready if he did, thanks to the search tool on profootballreference.com. Now let's take a closer look at this week's game. In addition to being the greatest field goal kicker of all time, Baltimore's Justin Tucker has become a weapon on kickoffs. Last week, in the Ravens' win over the Steelers, Tucker floated extremely high kickoffs near the end zone but not into it, forcing the Steelers to return the kicks. Three times, Pittsburgh was pinned inside its own 15-yard line. Tucker tried to do the same thing to begin Sunday's game against the Bengals, but with a very different result. Wilson catches at the 8, charges past the 20, 25-30, and there he goes. Brandon Wilson will take it to the house as the attempted kick inside the 10 fails miserably for Justin Tucker and the Baltimore Ravens. Brandon Wilson sprinting 92 yards untouched for a Bengals touchdown. That was the Bengals' first kickoff return touchdown since 2009 when Bernard Scott ran one back against the Steelers. It gave the Bengals a 7-0 lead without running an offensive play. Here's Alex Erickson on Brandon Wilson's return. Yeah, it's a huge spark. Um, Anytime you start the game off uh, 7-0 with 12 seconds off the clock or whatever it was. Um, Great play by him. Guys up front did an unbelievable job as always and um, obviously his explosiveness and um, all that and his instincts took over and he was able to make a play and uh, helped us helped us put us in position to you know win the game and um, anytime you score on special teams it I don't know what the statistics are but I, I guarantee you it raises your chance of winning um, by quite a bit but it's not enough if you can't stop the other team from running the ball Jackson keeps on a run to the left crosses the 30 35 40 now Lamar Jackson is sprinting down the field Trey Kirkpatrick runs him down and makes the tackle 
at the 39-yard line of Cincinnati, a 36-yard run on Lamar Jackson's first attempt of the day. The Ravens drove 75 yards for a touchdown on their opening possession, and 71 of the 75 yards came on running plays. Now it's a pistol formation with a sidecar. Lamar Jackson keeping to the left. There's nobody there for the Bengals defensively. Lamar Jackson running toward the forward left pylon, and it's a touchdown for Baltimore. Jackson ran for 119 yards in his only previous start against the Bengals and had 85 at the end of the first quarter on Sunday. Here's Sean Williams. He's, he's special. I mean, he can hit the edge and, and, and run like no quarterback that, that, that I've ever played against that I can remember at, at this moment. So, you know, hats off to him. We, got, we just got to go back into the game plan. We, we, we face him again and we kind of know the recipe. You know, we got to stop him on first, second down, get him in the third down, third down long and, and keep him in the pocket and make him throw and beat us. But, you know, when he steps outside the pocket, He's, he just, he's as good as anyone, you know, and, and he also made throws outside the pocket, so they kind of won that today. Yes, Jackson can also throw the ball. On the Ravens' second drive, he completed four in a row, setting up an easy touchdown. First and goal from the two. The Ravens line up in an eye formation. They give it to Mark Ingram. He goes low, and he gets into the end zone for a Baltimore touchdown. It was 14-7 Baltimore at the end of the first quarter. The Bengals not only did not have a first down, they didn't have a single yard passing. But that began to change in the second quarter. Dalton drops back to throw. The protection is good. He fires over the middle nice. of the field. What a catch by Auden Tate. Diving, arms fully extended. He came up with a football at the Ravens, 38. There's a penalty flag thrown late. The catch stood for a 17-yard gain, and Tate finished with five catches for a career-high 91 yards. Here again is Alex Erickson. Obviously, Tate has the size and the physical ability that um, a lot of us wish we had, uh, being 6'5", and whatever he, he weighs. And um, you know, Andy and him got a good relationship of you knowing where you know Tate feels comfortable, and uh, Tate knows where Andy feels comfortable. So they they do a great job uh, feeding off that and. He was able to find him and you know really helped us drive down drive down the field at the end especially each team added a field goal in the second quarter and it was 17 10 ravens at the half in the second half baltimore played keep away in the third quarter the ravens held the ball for more than 10 minutes as the Bengals only had one possession another tucker field goal made it 20 to 10. then in the fourth quarter baltimore put together an 18-play drive that took nine minutes and 46 seconds off the clock for the game the ravens finished with 269 rushing yards and held the ball for just under 40 minutes here's linebacker preston brown it's tough we think you have stuff bottled up guys going the other way they're stopping going all the way around and then sometimes just miss tackles so we got to go to the drawing board and see exactly how people keep hitting these runs because every week you look up and it's a lot of rushing yards and that's something that you never want to see happen. Is it a scheme thing? Is it something where they catch you off guard? I mean, what's what's kind of been the issue, Preston? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a scheme thing. I think coaches do a good job every week of preparing us for what we have, but we just got to make plays when they're presented to us. When we have tackles, because sometimes we have guys in the hole or but sometimes they do a great job of getting outside of us and no one even touches the guy. So we got to find ways to beat our blocks, beat our man, and tackle the guy with the ball. Justin Tucker's third field goal of the game made it 23-10 with 3.49 to go. For the third straight week, the Bengals' offense failed to score a touchdown in the first three quarters. But as was the case last week against Arizona, the offense finally came to life in the fourth 
putting together a 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Bernard in the backfield as Dalton waits for the shotgun snap back at the 7-yard line. Trey Hopkins fires it back. Dalton back to the 10, steps up, running, scrambles, running toward the goal line. He's in for a Bengals touchdown. Second rushing touchdown of the year for Andy Dalton. The only two that the Bengals have on the ground this season. The extra point made it 23-17 with 128 left, meaning the Bengals still had a chance if they could recover an onside kick. Sure enough, Brandon Wilson did recover Randy Bullock's kick, but the ball only traveled nine yards. It has to go 10. That gave the Ravens the ball and they ran out the clock for a six point win. The Ravens had 500 yards of offense before kneel downs on their last three plays took the total backward to 497. But after scoring touchdowns on their first two drives, they didn't add another on their last eight. Here's Sean Williams. The one thing I feel like we could have focused on more was keeping Lamar in the, in the pocket. But, you know, he's he's a great athlete. He's a good quarterback, so he makes that team run. But in, in, the, in the second half, when we made adjustments, we, we really played well, held him to three. They're in the NFL, too. They're going to get their yards. But at the end of the day, we got stops on third down, and, and we held them, to, held them to three when they did get in scoring zone. Lamar Jackson finished with 152 yards rushing and 236 passing. The first quarterback ever to top 200 yards passing and 150 yards rushing in a regular season game. It all added up to the Bengals' sixth loss in a row to begin the season, here again is Cincinnati native Preston Brown. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I grew up seeing two and 14 teams and stuff that I never wanted to be a part of. So now I definitely try each and every game, try to get that first win because we know the whole city, what they want, and we got to get this win because the whole city's down because we're not getting winning games. Since the Redskins and Jets both got their first wins of the season on Sunday, there are only two winless teams left, the 0-5 Dolphins and the 0-6 Bengals. After the game, Dave Lapham spent five minutes with Zach Taylor. Coach, I know I, uh, you know, another another day of frustration for sure. I mean, their their game plan that has been all year is to take the air out of the out of the ball and, and control the clock. And they they're number one in the NFL time of possession and in the in the per game and in the second half. I mean, like a nine minute nine and a half minute advantage in the second half of football games and. I think it was only three possessions for the offense in the second half. They did a pretty good job of playing keep away. They did. You know, we really uh, touched the ball for the third time there with around two minutes left. Had that 11-play drive, no points. Four-play drive, no points, obviously, and then got the touchdown there at the end. So that was that was a unique game. And, and to be quite honest, yeah, they, they the time of possession, they ate it up. Our defense really gave up six points after those first three dives. They, they were giving up some shots, but holding them to fewer points and trying to allow our offense to get back in the game. And it's just too little too late. So offensively, I mean, you got a, a new guy at the at the left tackle position in John Jerry, and you have a, you know a guy at the right guard position, Alex Redmond, that just is back from serving a suspension because of a groin injury to, to John Miller. So, you know, I, I know that everybody's like, oh, you know, make an excuse. Oh, these are facts, you know, and I know you have to deal with them. It's the National Football League, but man, it's issues. It's tough. Just got to find a way. You know, it's we can't run the ball for as few yardage as we're going to and so we we continue every week to re-examine how we're going about it and what plays are going to be most efficient for us and um, we got to search and find that answer and when we do it's going to be productive but right now it's it's been tough Auden Tate stepped up five catches 91 yards I think he was targeted 12 times and you know he drew some interference penalties and stuff too he's such a big body for guys to deal with and they make that early contact on him and they're in trouble he, he did. I thought he played well when he was targeted, and 
made some great 50. He didn't have any easy catches. There's a bunch of 50-50 balls that he came up with, and uh, so thought he did a nice job. With um, Tyler Boyd, it looked like Humphrey obviously was with, was with him a good part of the day. They also kind of tilted things to him a little bit. They doubled him a little bit more than he had been. That's something they'd shown in the past with some elite receivers, and Tyler's certainly been a really uh, productive guy, good leader for us. And that wasn't anything that surprised us. That's something that they'd shown, and, and we anticipate. That's why guys like Auden have to step up. Third phase of the game, uh, special teams, 92-yard kickoff return to get the game started. I mean, that lights a fire under everybody, and Wilson makes a great play there. And then he almost makes a great play on the bookend and the backside of it with that onside kick. He was just a yard too early making that jumping uh, recovery of the football. But the kid really played hard for you, and special teams and defense, didn't he? He did. That was a great spark. You know, Brandon's his arrow's been going up. He's been doing a great job for us in a lot of different areas, and uh, that looked like the spark we were going to need there to start the game and just couldn't hold it up. I know it, it rings hollow, but, you know, you're missing some key contributors, some key components, and hopefully some of them will start to come back here. And when they come back, the fact that other guys have had to step into roles that they necessarily weren't targeted to do at the start of the season, I mean, getting some snaps and so in the long haul, I mean, there, there could be some positive, but as it's unfolding now, it's got to be frustrating as hell to go through it. Well, a lot of young guys are getting asked to step up and play, and that's why they're playing the NFL. That's why they're on our roster, and we expect a lot out of them. And um, Some of them are going to have to keep growing faster than they anticipated. But, again, there's there's been no lack of fight from anybody who's walked on the field for us, and um, I'll keep going to battle with these guys any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, you look at today, you know, six-point loss, been a four-point loss, been a three-point loss, been a one-point loss. I mean, it's um, – you know, it's the, the defense, like we talked about earlier, gave up a lot of yards, but the game's not decided by yards. It's decided by points. And ultimately, you know, they, they kept kept the game close enough to, for you guys to almost pull it out. They did. They did. We just needed more points on offense. But uh, thought the defense really in the second half, the end of the second quarter, really stepped up and did a, did a much better job. And finally, uh, Jacksonville, the next opponent. And I know that's, you know, you guys haven't started. Well, you, you probably have known the NFL started on some of that preparation. But, what will it be like to finally maybe have an offense that runs a different, you know, you won't see all the uh, the gimmicks and the, and the bells and whistles that you've been seeing, and the quarterback's not going to be some kind of freakazoid that can kill you with his legs and his, and his throwing arm as well, and more of a traditional NFL-type thing. <laughs> will that be a little bit different week for you guys as uh, you're prepping for them? It'll be different. I know that Jacksonville's still a really solid, well-coached football team, physical team. They'll present challenges in other ways, obviously, but it'll be a change of pace. Certainly they're uh, – what they do schematically. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been almost like trying to defend a, a relay team out there. I mean, these these guys are at the quarterback position. I mean, you got an anchor anchor on a four by one hundred relay team than anybody would take. It's been it's been a heck of a stretch for your defense, hasn't it? It has, it has. But again, they keep trying to respond to the challenge. And and again, in the second half, I thought the response was good. They kept the points off the board and. Uh, we just got to find a way to win as a team. Now time for some post-game analysis, and I began my conversation with Lap by asking him about the disparity in the running game. 43 carries for 269 yards for the Ravens. That's 6.3 yards per carry. 33 yards on 14 tries for the Bengals. That's 2.4 per attempt. Take away a jet sweep. Alex Erickson is 17 yards, 13 carries, 16 yards. For the Bengals on the ground, I mean, you just you just can't you can't compete when it's that type of situation. Ravens ran it 43 times for 269, well over six yards of carry, a couple of touchdowns. You know their mo is to run away with the football, play keep away, play hide. 
Bengals had three drives in the second half. So, you know, you're, you're in a point where you have to get on the football field to try to mount a comeback. They did score a touchdown, but it was, you know, too little too late, as we said so many times during the course of this football game. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens basically played the game on their terms, and the Bengals have not been able to play any game on their terms this whole season. And, you know, they've lost by one point, three points, four points, six points. But, um, you know, this one... This one didn't seem like it was just six points. Lamar Jackson is so tough. If he stays healthy, it's an incredible weapon, but it's dangerous to have a quarterback run that much. But not only do you have to worry about him taking off and running, he's hard to rush because as a pass rusher, you don't want to blow by him. And then when you're trying to cover people in the secondary, you always have to keep an eye open just in case he takes off and runs. Well, I think the 24-yard scramble that the Arizona Cardinals had at the end of the game when Lawson ripped up the football field and rushed past Murray, and, and Geno Atkins took an inside rush and he went 24, and that made an impression on some guys. And now you start to mush rush, I call it a little bit, where you're not rushing past the quarterback. You're trying to stay in your lane, put pressure on him, and try to squeeze the pocket on him. But he's clever. You know, I mean, he still finds rush lanes. He's still... He's, a lot more, he's looking at a lot more reads down the football field, but eventually, if he doesn't like what he sees, he's going to tuck that thing and try to hit a distorted rush lane, and he's going to kill you. I mean, the guy, it, he's, he did basically what he's he – 50 carries coming into today's game, and a lot of them were off scrambles, and there were a few design quarterback run calls. There were a few, but not many. I mean, last year, 15 to 17 times a game with design quarterback runs. I think this year it's probably closer to 10 coming into today's game. I don't think there were 10 today. Design quarterback runs, and then he, when he scrambled, he's just, I mean, he's such a weapon. I mean, he's, he's dynamic. There's no, he's electric. I mean, anything you can think of, kid is just, he's, he's an incredible football player. Nothing has come easily on offense right now. It seems like every yard is pulling out wisdom teeth. Joe Mixon. Eight carries for 10 yards in the game. We know how good he is. Is what I'm talking about basically the result of having an offensive line that just is not that strong? An offensive line that's not that strong, and your two deep receivers aren't in the football game. One drive, it was a one-yard completion, a three-yard completion, a five-yard completion, a 13, then back to a six. I mean, it was, you know, Andy Dalton was uh, seven for eight for 40 yards, five yards an attempt. You know, it's basically part of your outside running game is throwing the ball in these outs and because you don't I mean they're 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 crowding you and and you know you don't have anybody to you know run behind them stretch the football field and put it over their heads so as a result the fact that they're crowding the lines they're also crowding the box when you I mean if you have somebody that can stretch the field it opens the box up too so now you don't have any speed on the football field the trickle down effect is huge I mean when, when you don't have your two of your three best receivers, A.J. Green and John Ross, and those two guys, the outside guys that stretch it, and everything else becomes easier in the middle of the football field. When you don't have the stretching, the middle of the football field is high traffic now. I mean, it's heavy traffic pattern. It's tough. That's why it is. It's like, it's like root canal surgery. Every single drive, it's like you have to be perfect, and there's only a few things you can do. Baltimore Ravens' game plan was wide open to them. Bengals' game plan was like, can't do this, can't do that, can't. All of a sudden, you get two options. Baltimore's got 10 choices on, you know, third and four, third and two. Bengals have two choices on third and nine, third and eight. It's it's totally different dynamic. I mean, 
hopefully they start to get some weapons back. And, you know, not to, not to mention the offensive line, John Jerry did everything he could. That's the fourth guy at the left tackle spot. And Alex Redmond's been back a week, and he's, you know, he's playing in the right guard spot because of an injury to John Miller. So, I mean, more issues in a magazine stand, man. The Bengals did not have A.J. Green. They did not have John Ross, and the Ravens did a good job of taking Tyler Boyd away. You've got to throw it to somebody, and Auden Tate had the best game of his young NFL career. He did. Targeted 12 times, five catches, 91 yards, made contested catches. He also drew interference penalties and, uh, you know, illegal use down the football field of hands and early hits and all that sort of thing. He's so big. I mean, these defensive backs trying to get around him are having difficulty. And, um, and really, you know, the silver lining, although it's a tough one when you're 0-6, when A.J. Green and John Ross do return, now Auden Tate has had experience that he would, never would have had otherwise, and his NFL career has accelerated. You know, he's, he's been out there having to make plays as the number one guy. That bodes well, but, man, got to get those other guys back to stretch the field. If they can stretch it, Auden Tate, Tyler Eifert, C.J. Uzama, all these guys have a much different look in the middle of the football field than they're having right now. The last thing, one positive, the Bengals have found a kick returner. Brandon Wilson had a 52-yarder last week, 92 yards for a touchdown today, the first Bengals kick returner to take one to the house since 2009. He's, he's impressive. I mean, he makes the decision. He goes. I mean, he, no wasted time. He can scoot. He can fly. He almost had a bookend of excellence in special teams at the very end of the game on the onside kick when Airborne made a great play. Is a yard short of the ball advancing 10 yards, though, so they don't get the football, and they're penalized. It didn't, it didn't go 10 yards for the onside kick opportunity, but he was close. He almost made a dynamic play there, and he gave him a boost. There's no question about it. He gave him a lift on that kickoff return. You know, you, you get an unconventional, unscripted score like that. That's what kept the game close in the first half. I mean, at halftime, the numbers were nuts. But that kickoff return, the Bengals, you know, they're defensively they're allowing a ton of yards, track meet between the 20s, but they're not allowing a whole lot of touchdowns. They're keeping the game, you know, close enough if the offense could do anything. Up next, a home game on Sunday against the 2-4 and four Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bengals will honor 10 of their all-time greatest players at halftime of that game, including Ken Anderson, Anthony Munoz, Willie Anderson, and Chad Johnson. Now time for this week's Fun Facts interview, where we get to know the person under the pads. This week, it's a member of the Bengals rookie class who, among other things, has never tasted chocolate. Time for some fun facts with Bengals wide receiver Stanley Morgan Jr. Your dad is obviously Stanley Morgan, but not that Stanley Morgan, not the former Pro Bowl wide receiver with the New England Patriots. How often have people expected that to be the case? Well, throughout my whole uh, combine you know, process, every coach that I interview with actually had that on their paper, so I get that a lot. <laughs> Have you taken an interest in that, Stanley Morgan, as a result since you play the same position? Uh, I mean, I looked at his fume back in the day, but I mean, I, you know, it's just, it's just a resemblance name. <laughs> We're visiting with Stanley Morgan, the Bengals wide receiver. You're from New Orleans. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Uh, I grew up in Seven Ward, uh, Gentilly area with my mom, and New Orleans is a great place. You know, there's no place like it. You, it's different. It's very different. Uh, Growing up with my grandparents, too, uh, going to all-boys school, St. Augustine High School, which is a historical all-black male school. Uh, it, was real, it was real tough, you know, in New Orleans, but, you know, you find your ways, and it's a great place. It sounds like you are from a gigantic family. 
Oh yeah, my my grandmother has fifteen brothers and sisters. My grandpa has seventeen brothers and sisters, and that's not even including my dad's side. <laughs> that's amazing. How was your family impacted by Hurricane Katrina? Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was just starting the second grade. Uh, we left that that next day. Uh, we lost everything. We lost, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we lost everything in our house. We had to rebuild. Uh, we stayed in Baton Rouge for about two to three years, and came back home and you know rebuilt everything just like everybody else. We're visiting with Stanley Morgan. You have an interesting tie to the Bengals. When you were ten years old, your youth football team played at halftime of a game in the Superdome. Turned out to be a Bengals Saints game. What are your memories of that day? Uh, I remember just coming out there with an, on, you know, playing with my youth team before the national anthem, and uh, standing there right behind me was uh, Chad Ochocinco, and that was, you know, amazing to me. You know, he tapped me on the head, and I remember it was like yesterday. You know, he just said, "Keep working, little man." I, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. Did you tell your mom after that game that this is what you want to do for a living to play in the NFL? Oh, of course. I mean, we. It was a two-lane camp, you know. We all we did it like three years in a row after that, you know, and that's just what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, you know, being in that dorm and just seeing it, and it was amazing. Stanley, you mentioned that you played at St. Augustine High School. One of your teammates was Leonard Fournette, the great LSU running back who's now in the NFL with Jacksonville. What was he like as a high school kid? It's funny because he always looked that way, <laughs> but he was very, very, very humble guy. You know, he's he very, you know young actor you know as a kid you know what I'm saying in high school he was very loving and and, and and just being active and fun around his teammates but he's a different guy you know when you get to know him he's he's like one of my best friends back home he had to be intimidating for the high school teams you played against oh yeah of course I mean we will give it to him on fourth and 15 he'll get a first down <laughs> sometimes he get a touchdown you know he was very intimidating so you were a great high school player and could have gone just about anywhere, Ohio State, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, they were all interested. But you visited Nebraska, and it sounds like it was love at first sight. It was my only official visit that I took. Uh, it was love at first sight, coming out of that tunnel, that red carpet, touching that horseshoe. I mean, it, it was no place like it, and I, I couldn't you know, leave without staying there you know, and not being a part of that. Why was that the perfect fit for a kid from New Orleans? Uh, just, you know, just to get a different view, of, you know, being in New Orleans, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a fishbowl down there, you know, it's, it's hard to get out of there, you know, so had my chance to get away from New Orleans and really focus on myself and focus on my craft, and I had a great coach out there, so that was the right way for me to go. We're chatting with Stanley Morgan. You are the all-time leader in Nebraska history in catches, receiving yards. You're the first wide receiver to have a 1,000-yard season for the Cornhuskers. What do all of those achievements mean to you at such a historical program? Uh, it means everything to me. I mean, becoming the first person to get 1,000 yards in a season, that's, you know, something nobody can ever take away from me. You know, coming out of that school, being the all-time leading receiver in receptions, I mean, that's something that, I, you know, you dream about. And then when it comes to reality, it's just it's so real, you know, and it's amazing. You know, it's I, I think it's just, the, you know, my family behind me that pushed me and everybody from New Orleans that pushed me, you know, and everybody from New Orleans that's behind me. I read a story where you said – you would rather throw a big block than catch a touchdown pass. I'm calling BS. How could that possibly be true? I mean, that's. I mean, it's. it's it, it really isn't. I mean, I, I fell in love with blocking just because that guy you named earlier. I mean, Leonard Fournette. I mean, it, you really, you, you really find who's lo- you know who's different about the game. You find your love for the game, and my love for the game is just seeing 
everything go right for my teammates and not only just myself, but just my teammates. You know, I'm a team player, so that does make me feel great. Looking back at scouting reports going into the NFL draft, you were widely projected to go somewhere between the fourth and sixth round and then wound up going undrafted. Was that bitterly disappointing? To be honest, when it happened, it was, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of sad, you know. But then the next day, I just kind of switched it, you know, like this is this is an opportunity for me. You know, this is an opportunity to make history again, you know, coming, coming from out the bottom and really grinding it up and, and really focusing on my craft. And this can be another step in history for me, you know. The Bengals were delighted that you were available and signed with them as a free agent. What appealed to you about Cincinnati? Uh, just the opportunities here and uh, the coaching staff. Uh, I met with those guys at the combine and just knowing opportunities here and coming in. I mean, it was everything I expected. The teammates are are great. You know, they help and the coaches are great. You know, so it was a it was a perfect fit. You got activated to the 53 man wa- roster before Week Five against the Cardinals and made your first NFL catch. Was that on your first offensive snap? Yeah, it was. Actually, it was on my first offensive offensive snap. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. <laughs> Does that reinforce to you when you make that first catch that all right, I've made it? Yeah, that getting that first catch was it was all right. Yeah, you know you've made it now. It's time to step it up a notch. You know, let's let's turn one catch into two, two into three, three into four, and you know next next thing I know, I can be a number one receiver on the team one day. A few more fun facts for wide receiver Stanley Morgan. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, politician, religious figure, whatever it might be, who would that person be? Mm. It would probably be Shaq. Shaq? Yeah. Why Shaq? I don't know. Shaq is just like my favorite all-time person. I mean, not just person, but just all-time athlete, just... He's a fun guy, you know. He's had he has a character off the field, you know. He's he's he knows how to brand himself. He's just a, a he looks like a fun guy to be around all the time. But you know, I just respect his game too. I just I don't know. I just like Shaq. I like Shaq too. I used to live in Boston, and one time when he was playing for the Celtics, he went to kind of a famous public square in Boston and pretended to be a statue for an hour. He just sat there without moving. People came up. They tried to get him to smile or talk and took pictures with him. To me, that was a perfect Shaq moment. And that's why I would love to meet Shaq. <laughs> that's, just, that's perfect. That's a perfect example. <laughs> Do you have any hidden talents? Uh, I can sing a little bit, I guess. Do you want to show off? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, I have a... Yeah, that's about it. I mean... I never ate chocolate before in my life. You've never eaten chocolate? Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, I just don't like the smell. It just creeps me out. Wow. You are the first person to ever tell me they have never eaten chocolate. Mm-hmm. Someday we'll break you down. <laughs> All right. If uh, singing is your hidden talent, is there something that you are absolutely terrible at? I'll have to say basketball. Really? I cannot shoot to save my life, but I could go up and get a rebound. That's about it. Call me the board man, but anything else, I am terrible. Did you play as a kid? I played basketball as a kid. I was just rebound, dish it out. You know, I get about 15 rebounds a game, but that's about it. See, the guys on the team that can shoot love to play with a guy like Like you. They'll just do the dirty work. Oh, yeah. Well, it makes sense. If you prefer blocking more than catching touchdown passes, (laughs) then being the rebound and pass it out guy is a perfect fit. Uh, I enjoyed this. Best of luck this season, and thanks for the time. Thank you so much. All right, that's Stanley Morgan, Jr. We want to remind you to come out and join us at our on-location radio shows this week on Wednesday night from 6 to 8, 
We'll be at Bucketheads on Harrison Avenue for the Bengals Game Plan Show. And then on Friday afternoon from 3 to 6, we'll be at Buffalo Wings and Rings in Fairfield for the Bengals Pep Rally Show. A Bengals player will join us at each of those shows. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment, give it a rating or share a comment. Five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde. Thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.